Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices, Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton from Vocation Ministry, and I'll be your host for this special episode. In September 2022, I visited Viatorian Associate Dave Supernot on his family farm in Mantino, Illinois, not far from Viatorian Ministry sites in Bourbonnais and Kankakee. Dave and his wife, Viatorian Associate Susan, run a family farm. After decades of continuing the family tradition of milking Holstein dairy cows, the Supernauts sold those 180 cows in 2018 and pivoted to a cow-calf operation. They now breed and raise black Angus cows. I talked to Dave about the basics of his family operation, trying especially to learn the ways that his family strives for good stewardship. Dave puts it well that he can do something sustainable for the earth, sustainable for the animals, and sustainable for his family. Sometimes two things can seem to be in apparent tension, like science and religion, or in this case, sustainability and making a profitable living. But careful thought and diligent work can show deeper resonance when we are faithful. In this conversation, in addition to hearing some engines running, birds chirping, and cows mooing, you'll hear how this Viatorian models that resonance and finds he can meet a range of goals all at once while living out a vocation that is deeply important to him. Enjoy the conversation. Usually by the middle of October, I'm starting to feed some uh, stored feeds. And then that, that lasts sometimes till <laughs> average is probably April 15th, but I can go, I've seen it go to the first week in May. So that's a lot of days you got to feed these girls. What do you store to feed them when you can't do the grass on the ground? Uh, all these round bales that you see all wrapped up on the roads yeah. and stuff, that's mine. Oh, that, wow. That's all basically baleage. It's wet hay absolutely the most beautiful stuff you ever saw in your life. So that, they get that um, and we do make some hay off of the pastures in the springtime when it's just, they just can't eat it all. So Is that something you do yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well there's the girls, they're waiting to be moved. They, so long as their bellies are full they're happy. Do they generally stay put? Like, oh yeah. So long as no, no, the lungs or bellies are full. Right. You got to remember that. So they're going to go into here today, even though they were here a couple days ago. Uh, but there was kind of a wire issue. Okay, girls, Christopher's going to come and move you. See, they know what's going to happen. <laughs> the one right there, that was born this spring. So there should be about 60 out here of that size. And then like that one right here, that's one that was born a couple weeks ago. So we have our spring calvers and then our fall calvers. You'll be moved. You're you're all right. Everybody's happy and healthy out there. Let's see. Every there's 40 four-acre paddocks. So here, and like I said, they're going to go over to here, and we just move them every morning. And even in the winter time, we move them so their manure gets spread in all different fields. That way, you don't have much nutrient density in just one area. They can spread it around just by themselves. Mm-hmm. And if this was the spring of the year, I'd be cutting these pastures. But this time of the year, I just leave whatever there is. And next time they come in here, it would get real cold. I mean, we got a good two months yet of grazing. But there's more stuff there. Do you have to do any overseeding or anything to get the grass to come back, or does it just... You know, we used two years ago anymore. There's so much seed out there. You don't have to do anything. It takes care of itself. All right. And you'll come back. 
they'll destroy areas. There's there's one there. See, and they'll and they'll stand in one area if it's real hot. They they that's a stress factor. They all get together and they make a muddle basically. Yeah. And that'll be totally destroyed. Next spring will be just as green as. It, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how the, the yeah. way the ground can yep. kind of take care yep. of itself. Yep. 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 And they'll destroy another area next year. <laughs> you know. When we sold the dairy cows, like this one right here is 119. We bought, we traded money, some of the money from the Holsteins to purchase Black Angus, start our herd. And so the older ones, the bigger ones are ones that we bought. The younger ones, like this one here, was born last spring. It's number 10. Right on site. Yeah. 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 So she was she was born. So I mean that's the size difference. And she should be pregnant for next spring. So she'll have a calf. We're still in that phase. There's 110 mother cows out here. And we're still in the phase of what is the optimum size for the farm so we don't have to purchase any outside feed. Okay. And so the, it, so the farm can feed them on its own. Yeah. and Because I, I don't want to use a whole bunch of corn and bean acres either because that's a profit potential too. You know, you got to yeah. think about where the money comes from. So right now we're thinking about 130 mother cows. And we've got pasture that would support that. It's the winter time. You you know, you got all these bales that we've got. Feed them for six months. Right. Is there an optimal size for when you start to mate the mother cows? Like about age? two years. About yeah, two years. More age. We've, like I said, we're almost done our fall calving. I think we might be done. Um, a lot of those were from heifers that probably should have had a calf this spring but they might have been too small to breed so nature kind of has its way of working things out a little bit so they're about two and a quarter years old versus normally you want them to have a calf around two years okay so they should be big enough size but here again i'm still learning because these are so different than the holsteins i mean body structure the mentality of the cows it's it, they're just totally different animals and it's hard for me to judge okay that heifer I, I could tell a Holstein cow okay she should be bred you know size wise uh, these guys are they're short they're stocky um, you, you think they're only 600 pounds and, and they're closer to 900 pounds that's a big difference when you come to breed them no we're, we're still we're still learning at this and we got to make sure this whole 160 acres that we've taken out of row crop production is viable make enough money so we can maintain and keep this herd otherwise all this fence will be gone we'll put corn and beans in here right you, you, you know you you want to do the environment good and be a good steward of the land and livestock is the best way for stewardship of the land but you got to be practical too our bills have to be paid also right we're, we're trying to sell about a hundred calves a year off of the, the farm here God grows, there's no, there's not been fertility on this ground for 20 years. Okay, so no seeding costs, no, uh, we cut the paddocks in the springtime, every paddock gets cut, little tractor, uh, 10 foot mower, I mean, it doesn't cost us hardly any fuel or anything like that to do that. But we do that one time, all the paddocks in the springtime. So, you know, there's not a lot of expenses. But you still got to make sure you make the net per acre that you can if you just did corn and beans. Right. You know. So, I mean, there, there, there are things that we look at. Because the dairy was our profit potential here. 
know, for 42 years, we had a milk check coming in every two weeks. Uh, you know, some some months they didn't pay the bills, but you know, when it averaged a dollar all out, Susan and I had a nice living. But it's, we're a typical farmer. You have everything in assets. You, you know, the land is paid for. It's ours. Uh, it, it's worth a fortune, but you can't eat that fortune unless you sell it. You know what I'm saying? Right. You got to make sure you got financial ability to to pay your bills and to to live. Was it a tough mindset flip to go from? milk and oh. crops to cow calf yeah yeah and it's yeah like i said we're still learning just handling the animal you gotta remember the dairy cows were every two times a day were milked you know for a year though we did it three times a day uh and so they were used to us no matter what we did okay and, and you always had a not head cow but all in all everybody pretty pretty cool aesthetic um these guys, you don't handle them that much. So the first year when we bought 50 animals, or 40 some animals, whatever it was, a starter or cedar group, uh, whoa, these guys were nuts. These guys were wild. These guys would kill you. <laughs> these guys, if you walked in the pasture, didn't know what to do. I mean, they would run to the other end of the field. Now, let's see where they all are. They know they're going to get fed new grass. They're waiting for you. They, so we've got them trained pretty decent now. And since a lot of these animals now are from our own herd, uh, we've raised them. We, we, we have interaction with them every day. Uh, I'll come out here at least two times a day, sometimes three with the four-wheeler, and just go very slow, just go amongst them so the baby calves know we're not here to herd them. The mothers know we're not here to herd them. So... A lot of things that we took for granted before, now we have to kind of work at building that relationship with them. To kind of like with people. Yes. You, know, you got to make your relationship work with people too, you know? You have to dispose them, predispose them to being used to you guys, yeah. being used to the land. Yeah. Otherwise, they're much more a feral animal than, than a Holstein was. I mean, that. but then if, if there was a Holstein herd right now and, and the mother would have a calf, we would take the calf away immediately. We let the calf have colostrum from the mother, but within hours, that calf was maintained by us from the day it was born through its entire life. So it knew that it was we were going to bring the milk to it. We were going to bring the feed to it. We were going to bring, you know, it knew everything. Out here, it's we move them. You know, I've seen some pastures where stuff is about two inches tall, and, you know, those cows have nothing to eat. You'd have some major issues with these cows trying to maintain them in this, in this paddock here. But their bellies are full. They just are. They just want something better. And these guys self-regulate. They they walk around. They, they eat, eat at their own pace. They they eat, and then they eat some more, and then they eat some more. Okay, I mean that. And then you'll see them lay down and chew their cud. But then they're going to get up and eat again. Okay, a, a Holstein is, is is very regulated. Eight hours it socializes. Eight hours it eats. Eight hours it rests and chews its cud. These guys just seem to eat all the time. <laughs> just, <laughs> And in the wintertime, when you put these round bales out here, it's like, you guys ate that already? <laughs> you know? What these cows get fed is phenomenal in the wintertime. Premium stuff. Dairy quality stuff. I bale hay for some of the neighbors around who do have some cows. And it is garbage I'm baling. I'm absolute garbage I'm baling for these guys. And, and my cows get the best of the best, and they still complain. So, so I, I'm trying to encourage these neighbors why don't you grow a little bit of alfalfa and something better for them? And, and uh, oh, and, and I said, higher quality. Said, oh, they'll eat less. I said, no, 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 no. The higher the quality, the more they eat. 
He said, it's, it's a totally different version there. It's just, so that day they didn't like that. So they're still feeding the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess a mother cow doesn't need a lot of the nutrients. It's just, you know, ours are just kind of spoiled. So the paddocks, you were saying, mm -hmm. you have four acre sets. 40 four acre sets. And so it's like every 40th day they're on that one. Yep. And they make a full yep. rotation. Unless like in the springtime when the grass is growing so fast, we'll take maybe 10 out and make hay out of it or something like okay. that. Uh, normally a good rotation. Dairy cows, we would move them faster, rotate faster because you needed higher quality. Okay. If, if I saw a seed head, which you, you know, they, they've eaten most everything. But if I see a seed head out there, you're not optimum quality. And dairy, if you want to make milk, had to have optimum everything. These beef cows, uh, you know, it's a little more ranker stuff. It gives them a little more fiber in their gut. I have no stomach issues. If it's really too fine of stuff, you end up with, uh, or, or too quality stuff, you can end up with some stomach issues, whatever. And the whole thing, you had to kind of regulate that, what you fed them. But it was much better quality than what, what these guys got so we would rotate the cows the dairy herd every probably 28 30 days these guys are more like 35 to 40 even in the summertime and then we're also very strange and so we've got center pivot irrigation okay on this whole 160 acres and when we were putting the irrigation for pasture people thought we were nuts are you that stupid you're, you're for pasture best money we ever spent because that was at the time the profit was from the cows from the grass okay and you know it was it was the best thing we ever did and so now we, we still use the irrigation uh, we try to get on an inch a week which is what grass usually takes on a hot summer day it, it'll take about an inch of water a week so i keep very religious records as far as how much water intake we get from the rain versus what i put on and so we don't want to you know use of the resources any more than what we need to so we and the irrigation another way to be sustainable rather than us. just drawing on otherwise you know the, the normal way guys do it it's and i'm going back to the whole scenes because i did it for 40 some years <laughs> you know the cows are locked up all the time the cows are on cement all the time they're in a freestyle barn um in these big operations in indiana there i mean they've got three thousand cows under one barn two barns rather but that's, you know, there's 40-some thousand cows in Indiana 30 miles from here. This is so much better for the soil, so much healthier for the cows, so much less stress for the cows. Yes, you do see some flies on them. That's nothing compared to a cow being on cement all the time. Just, it's very hard on animals. So here, it's this is good for the soil. It's good for the for the cows. It's, it's good for my pocketbook. You know, and that's how we look at it. And you got to, you know, you look at this grass out here. There's not an ounce of soil or fertility that has gone into a ditch or into the water stream yeah. or into the Illinois River or into the Mississippi River that finally ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. This is about as sustainable as you can get. But it's got to be financially you know, sustainable too. I can't, you know. And when you're mindful of it, you can do all of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is what we're doing on the row crops. I mean, that's we're doing the cover crops. And we always did do that to a point. Uh, I always liked something growing on the ground 365 days of the year. Now you're saying that doesn't happen when it's 20 below zero. Agreed. But if you had something after harvest that you planted, that root system starts then. And that takes nutrients out of the soil and that 
saves the soil from erosion and stuff like that. So that's the whole purpose of cover crops we're doing. Right. And you know, we're we're going more back to that, and that's that's a thrust from the government too. They're paying us a few bucks for that, but I've always tried to do that. You know, years past before it was even the thing to do. I'm a different farmer. <laughs> Unique, strange individual. Maybe a little Viatorian. <laughs> I don't know. I try hard. <laughs> but, you know, I've always looked at, at things, and we, my father milked 15 cows, 16 cows, and probably all his life. And I bought the herd from him in 77, 1977. And we went, we just kept on expanding and expanding. It was not in the pasture like this at the time. I mean, this was all inside and just like we had hoof problems. We had cows that would, you know, we, of course, you're, you're pushing for maximum production. And whenever you do that, your cows never live long. Okay. And so we went to grazing here in 1993 was our first year. We kind of played with it a little bit. We were some of the first in the United States. I'm not saying we were the first, but this type of grazing intensive grazing we were some of the first that did this and uh it was the best thing we did all of a sudden your cows we have old cows you know as long as they gave a calf every year and and gave us milk you know we'd keep the cow around um and something we never had prior to that so i mean our longevity is so much better here because it's a natural environment for the cows yeah God gave us the sun, God gave us the rain, and I'm going to use that. <laughs> the cows seem grateful. You no, know, not right now. They want to <laughs> be moved. They just think they're so special. Is there a time of day when they get moved? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're gonna be, we're going to do that right now. Yeah, okay. okay let's... I'll go and turn around. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to Dave and his family for their hospitality and for giving such faithful witness to their vocation in agriculture and in Viatorian life. Interested in Viatorian Association or Viatorian Religious Life? Those seeking support and accompaniment in exploring God's invitation for them are invited to reach out to Vocation Ministry. Send us a DM on social media at Viatorian USA or email vocations at viatorians.com to start a conversation. On behalf of Brother John and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Curbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved, be Jesus. Mmm! 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 Mmm!